0: Hello and welcome to the Harnsing Tailwind Podcast. Today I am in the beautiful land of Nicaragua with a very special guest that I actually met in the hostel kitchen in a city called Granada in uh, Nicaragua. Uh, This dude was cooking up two big fat juicy steaks and I recently went vegan so I was making rice with uh, sautéed onion and cucumber or something like that. But anyways, without further ado, I want to introduce to you a five-year digital nomad, an entrepreneur who works in online businesses, Mac Austin. Welcome to the podcast and glad you could be here. How are you doing?
1: Sure, man. Glad to be here. Doing great. You now just finished up some work and yeah, glad to hop on the podcast with you. Awesome. man,
0: Awesome. Awesome. It's an honor to have you. So um, wanted to talk a little bit about your background. Um, you are from Canada. Uh, tell us a little bit about your upbringing, where you grew up and uh, just a little bit about kind of your childhood and how, and how you were raised and everything.
1: Sure. Yeah. So I grew up in a town that's like an hour north of Toronto called Innistil. It's like a suburb, a bit of a conservative town, kind of like mini Alberta in a way. So Alberta is like another province in Canada, but this is like, the culture in our town is a bit different from like culture, let's say, Toronto. Uh, That's where I was born and raised. Yeah, I didn't have the best social life at the beginning of high school, but then what happened next was I decided to go down the path of self-improvement, reading different blogs, learning about fitness, healthy li- living and basically at the age of 16 I uh, basically started working out, exercising and playing a lot of sports. I joined all the, the team sports at high school like rugby, football, American football for all the Europeans listening. And yeah, that really pushed me forward.
0: Awesome. Yeah, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, when you went to college you were going down this path that you you talked about that you thought that hey maybe I'll be a lawyer maybe I'll do something like this and you ended up dropping out so yeah uh, can you talk a little bit about what made you decide to do that and kind of what was going through your mind I mean you decided for for Whatever reason that I'm not going down this path. This isn't working for me So you talked about entrepreneurship and that sort of stuff where you did you go straight into a company? Or what was your next? What was what was it like leading up to you dropping out and what came
1: uh, next after that? Yes, yeah, so I guess to, to preface I, I started looking at entrepreneurship before I went to uh, University uh, but I, I had like these two Paths kind of conflicting with one another in my mind. So on one hand, I was still trying to satisfy that old vision of becoming a lawyer, even though it's becoming a bit redundant at this point. Um, but basically, what what happened is I stumbled across this blog when I was still in high school called Bold and Determined, which was all about like self improvement, your stuff. Uh, and from that blog, I discovered a book called The Millionaire Fastlane by Andrew DeMarco, and up until this point, I had no like, no idea about entrepreneurship. I didn't even know what it was really. I heard all the like the common sayings like, "If you're an entrepreneur, you're basically just unemployed" or something like that. Or you know, you have to get lucky. So, different things that were like programmed in my mind from a young age that kind of limited my um, understanding of yeah how to how to build wealth, how to be an entrepreneur. But after reading this book it basically brainwashed me, kind of took me out of the matrix of what I was programmed growing up to be to then decide, okay, like there is this path of entrepreneurship and it is there, but I still deep inside didn't believe it was possible for me based on like my childhood program and so forth. So um, I guess what, what led to me dropping out was like, okay, I still had to satisfy my parents, so I still went to school and I was actually gonna be a political scientist. Which or I was gonna get a poli sci degree, which is basically the stepping stone to becoming a lawyer. So you do your undergrad as a uh, political scientist, and then you graduate to then you know going for the bar and so forth. Uh, But basically, yeah, after going through university, I I realized it was a, a bit of a joke, and like this wasn't gonna serve me at all. I might as well just you know take take the leap into entrepreneurship, and I definitely tried different things. So even while I was in university, I hosted this giant party, for example. We, we basically sold tickets, we went around campus throwing posters, we got like, all these up and coming rappers at the time to come host at our show. Uh, we, had, we had people that were on the up and coming that, that were gonna perform at the show that eventually like, went, went mainstream as well. So we were kind of, me and my friend group at the time, we were kind of really good at picking out talent as well, like we could see who was like on up and coming based on their tracks. And we just had that pattern and recognition to to see that. But um, yeah, so that kind of led to me, you know, that that, that that venture specifically didn't work out. We ran the event, a ton of people showed up, but at the end of it, it was unprofitable. We weren't so good at you know numbers and you know, forecasting demand and so forth. It was kind of just like I was reading the blog from the book, The Millionaire Fastlane*, and it said you gotta take action. So I, I, was, I wasn't really thinking, I was just like okay, I'm gonna fail no matter what, I just gotta take action. If you're gonna fail, you'll figure it out along the way. Gotcha, so
0: can you uh, talk a little bit about how this uh, leap of faith with going into entrepreneurship also sort of paired with uh, being a digital nomad and traveling the world, did those two things Come hand in hand and um, just talk about to, to listeners who are like curious about digital nomad and uh, what's that like about your journey with that? What countries you started with? Um, how life
1: abroad was different from life in Canada? Yeah. So yeah, it's it's good that you mentioned that because like it all ties back to the book, the Millionaire Fastlane. It's like this is like the inflection point. The kind of, you know, Steve Jobs has a saying, you you don't know what's going to happen moving forward, you can only connect the dots looking back. And that's what we can do. It all started with like this book, which has forums attached to it as well. And on the forums, there's several threads about people that are living this lifestyle, the digital nomad lifestyle, where they're living in like these cheaper countries, they can work from the computer and still, you know, have have a really, like, live like a king. That was basically the thing that really. they like convinced me to do it. So I'd be in university, like reading this blog, going to class, not really paying attention to class, and just coming back to my dorm room, reading the book, uh, reading the forums, and like seeing, like dreaming about being in Bali one day or dreaming about being in Thailand. And that kind of you know, stuck with me. And then over the summer, I got, I basically started doing freelancing. So after the whole year, uh, completed, I decided to start doing freelancing to get an income in and then I would then take that income to live in my first destination which was Thailand. So in like February of 2017 I decided to basically uh, pack my bags and I decided to yeah, take the leap and go to Thailand as my first destination. And at the time I, had, I literally had like no idea about how to go through an airport on my own as like as that sounds. I had no idea how to, you know, book a plane ticket. I was just an oblivious kid at the time, and my parents were like really worried. Like they're like, okay, he's going off on his own to a foreign country. It's the first thing or the first time I ever did anything on my own. So, and uh, you know, I was only like 19, 20 at the time. So I, I just decided to bite the bullet, despite them trying to convince me not to go. Bought the ticket, and that's when the journey began.
0: Awesome, awesome. So, you were in Thailand. Uh, you went. You you dropped out of college. You're off on your own. You're sort of doing this journey that you read about about in this book. Um, and then you ended up starting a company while you were in Thailand. Um, can you talk a little about what company? You mentioned e-commerce and all that. What exactly were you selling and uh, you know they talk about entrepreneurship being not not easy especially to start. So what was that journey like to begin with you know you're in a new country, you're starting a new company, you're sort of just finding yourself in the world. so uh, what was that what was
1: that experience like? For sure. yeah. so to give a bit of background to everyone listening, basically what happened was, I arrived to Thailand, was exploring around, but I still had that mission in my mind that I'm gonna create this startup, and I'm gonna create a business. And I've been like researching through different groups, like the ClickFunnels group. It's basically a, a software which helps you build sales funnels. And I saw a lot of like the ad campaigns from Russell Brunson at the time, the, the founder of the company, and went through a lot of his trainings on how to do like internet marketing and create products, digital-based products. But I was also just, you know, really curious about online business models. So I also stumbled across e-commerce, specifically through the forums as well. So I was trying to learn as much as I could. I was absorbing all this information and, you know, stacking these skills on top of each other. And anyways, I decided to start my first Amazon business. So this is another big failure I had. I basically bought inventory before I left to Thailand, stocked it into the Amazon warehouse, and then yeah, left for Thailand, but that business didn't go well. So during this time period, I was freelancing, running this Amazon business, which was failing, and basically taking all my money and putting it into the Amazon business. And at this point, I basically stumbled across like a group of guys who were living in Chiang Mai. So I traveled up to Chiang Mai, and yeah, we, we really clicked for off the start. Like it was like a, a big value exchange. I was sharing all my knowledge with you know, internet marketing, which I learned through the clients I was working with, running Facebook ads for them, as well as my experience at Amazon, because they were also doing Amazon. So meeting these guys really changed the trajectory for me. And after like two days of meeting them, I just decided to move in to the startup as they that. So they were all doing e com, I was doing e com plus these clients, but you know, the relationship with this client was coming come to a close, they basically were going to stop running ads, I was managing their ads for them, so I had to figure out another way to make an income, so the Amazon business was not bringing cash flow, the uh, client was disappearing, and I was like, okay, if I don't figure something out, like, I'm going to have to go back home and like be a failure, so I was like, that's not going to happen, I'm going to stick it out, I'm not going to look at for a handout from my parents, I'm just going to figure it out on my own. And then I basically met these guys who were running dropshipping stores. So, through the house, we, we hosted like mastermind events, we hosted like co working events. We met a lot of really interesting characters. And I started basically expanding my network, meeting with everyone. And yeah, we, we really connected. And I was just fortunate to meet these guys who um, have now gone on to become very well known in online space. So I was lucky to meet them at an early point where I could you know, learn from them or their wisdom completely for free. Of course, I was also sharing my wisdom with copywriting, with marketing, with paid advertising. So it was like, you know, give and take, of course. Um, we also went on a lot of like adventures and partying and so forth. But I basically learned from them how to run ads for an e-commerce business, specifically dropshipping. So I started a, a streetwear clothing brand which basically we were selling like these windbreaker jackets. I saw another company selling these jackets. I was like, okay, I can probably do better than them with the marketing um, and blow this product up. And my assumption was correct. Launched this website. After of course trying a few other products, I probably tested like five or ten products this, at this point, and all of them flopped. But after seeing this specific windbreaker, having been within the streetwear kind of subculture as a teenager growing up. I was like, okay, I understand this industry, I'm seeing this product, but it's not being positioned in a way to speak to this kind of consumer, this niche market. So what I did was, yeah, launch a website uh, within one day, and it was basically following the principles of the Lean Startup. So Lean Startup's a book by Eric Ries, and they basically, the, the summary of the book is like, you just gotta launch and then run traffic to the page and see people buy it. So that's what I did, very basic page, just a simple product description, but tailored towards this niche market. And right off the hop, I started getting sales. So I was like speaking with the guys who I knew, how do I scale this up? How do I install the right operations, customer service, etc.? And they gave me like the blueprint on how to do so because they already did it themselves. And I think they were making like two or three K revenue at the time per day. And I was like, okay, this is, this is insane. Like I'm coming from a small town, like I'm told my whole life, you gotta work hard, you gotta, you know, take take the hard road, and maybe if you're lucky, you could retire rich or you get a pension and so forth. So the fact these guys are partying, they're doing whatever they want, just spinning up products and like printing money out of thin air is like it was insane to me. I was like, okay, this is definitely the better option to take, and it kind of confirmed my suspicions, although there's that little you know voice in the back of the head saying no, it's not possible, no, it's not, you know, this this is not possible for you because of X, Y, and Z. So, yeah, these guys really helped me, and I scaled that product up. And within you know less than six months, I scaled up to like eight hundred thousand dollars in revenue. So that was like really big within the first year of having this business. There's a big winner. Uh, when you test products in dropshipping, there's a concept of a winner, which is basically just like, yeah, the product just hops off the hop. You don't need much copywriting, you don't need much like selling power, it just sells itself, basically. So there's was a clothing item, people liked the look of it, so they bought it. And yeah. However, there was an issue with the product. And coming from the fast lane, millionaire fast background, it's kind of the 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 philosophy of it is that you provide value to people, and by providing value, instead of focusing on like how to make money, instead of focusing on how to you know uh, cut costs or focus on margin, of course these things are par- important. Uh, value is what drives the long-term success of your business, and all that you see all the time with these big companies—they cut corners, the, the shrinkflation, for example, that's going on, and you know they have all these accountants that are sitting behind their computers and they're know drumming out how do we save money how do we cut costs but they're not thinking about the qualitative side of the process which is how we drive value to the consumer they're thinking the consumer's not going to notice that they're shrinking the size of what they're actually getting when they pay the same price Um, so that's kind of like the the tenets of the fast lane philosophy a lot of these guys in the forum have launched businesses bootstrapped they take on no outside funding and they create incredibly profitable businesses that just provide value to the customer and they turn out to become like millionaires basically, some of them. So that it basically shows you a blueprint and a philosophy to, to run them. So back to my point with this product, what I realized, okay, I'm shipping the product from China to customers, this is not really a providing value to them because there's a long shipping time, the quality of the product is bad, the sizing was off, I had to like, you know, send two sizes up, It's Asian sizing. I was getting a lot of complaints with the customer. So I could I could have just like kept rolling with it, kept like pumping ads, kept making my margin, and then just disappeared. But I was like, okay, I gotta provide value. This can be a brand, this is what I'm gonna you know focus my attention on for the next five to ten years. So we really gotta you know change like the the streetwear space. So that that was kind of like my vision for the company, and I also wasn't really good at doing my own. So that was a skill I still need to learn. Um, But what I decided to do was improve the product. Improve the quality of the product. Improve the sizing. Make it all American sizing. And then just in time for Q4, I would ship the items to the U.S. in a warehouse to give them quicker shipping. However, like I said, I wasn't so good with the financial forecasting. So I didn't do my numbers correctly and I ended up in a big big pickle, where I basically was in a lot of debt. Um, a lot of angry customers, we missed the Christmas ship ship date, had to refund a lot of customers, and eventually I basically just had to shut the business down. Despite making a good amount of money with it, I didn't do my numbers correctly, and I lost all that money, plus went into debt. Just from this like stupid, you know, rookie mistake. I but I had to learn that lesson, you know, I had to go through it and was important in you know my overall process um, so what happened next was I basically was out of money completely in Thailand still wasn't gonna go back home still was kind of bouncing around living day to day budgeting how much I could eat for that day it was a point where I had like no money left so, so I just had to interrupt me for a second you said you
0: had 800k in revenue in one year yeah that was all consumed by reinvesting it into the company or was that used like, did you use some of that as well? Like what, what led to this kind of bankruptcy debt situation if the company seemed to be doing so well?
1: Yeah, so so obviously I was spending also hundreds of thousands of dollars on ads and there's also the product cost with that. The overall profit wasn't so much, I think it was like 20, 30K and then I bought, you know, in excess of that in inventory, which then the product stopped selling despite creating a new variation. So I understand that there's a cycle as well with these winning products on Facebook at the time. So you'd run a product up and it would peak out at a point. The point where it peaked out was the point where I bought inventory. So what basically happens, demand also flatlined after that, I couldn't foresee it because um, it was my first time going through the process.
0: And why did the demands flatline? Like what? Where all, all of a
1: sudden, no one wanted the Windbreaker anymore? Yeah, so at the time, there's also like a gap in my skill set. What I could have done was create better creatives, create different angles, and so forth, but I was kind of stuck. And all the stress piling up with like the inventory and the financials made me think, okay, I need to pivot It's like a new industry or a new product. Um, but yeah, basically. Basically what happens is like with a specific ad creative or with a specific ad and product you reach your total addressable market on Facebook. So kind of how the Facebook algorithm works is it starts picking up the cheap purchases first. So off the hop you get like a really really cheap cost per purchase but then after that the costs start going up. The CPAs go up to the point where it's not profitable anymore. So you either have to like reframe the product in a certain way, create new ad creatives, or you have to test new products. So I went through that process to test new products, but my strategy was a bit off and it was a bit too late given the the context of me being in this much debt, where I was basically in what Paul Graham would call the fatal pinch. So the fatal pinch is basically when you have three months left of runway, capital, to sustain the business. So if you haven't turned a profit, you're also running out of funding, I was using debt, using credit cards. I had already maxed out my credit cards. I I already kind of yeah. I had no money at all. I was in debt plus collecting like overdraft mm-hmm. on my account. So yeah. I had to I had to quickly pivot. Yeah. Um, and it I was I didn't know it was happening until it it was too late. to I literally was like deep in debt, out of cash completely. Whereas now you could kind of forecast it like months in advance. Yeah. It's just like an idiot kid mistake, but uh, yeah. So what happened was I kind of pivoted into agency services. I was still pretty good at running the ads. It was all about the operation side that I was really bad at. Um, I was just good at marketing, good at creating like persuasive messaging, like getting people to buy. I basically just started Facebook groups. And these different Facebook groups had uh, different people that are in e commerce. They're also kind of in the same situation as me. Like they're running a dropshipping company, but they've run into a bit of a, a brick wall with their ads. So, what I did is I it became this agency, I booked calls with this client, and then within one day of like deciding to abandon my e commerce thing and jump into agency mode um, I basically was able to collect two grand and I had money for the week basically uh, Despite being in debt, I didn't pay off any of my debt I was like, okay, how do I just live right now? Like, I'll deal with the debt afterwards um, so I used that that initial funding just, just for living costs and then we started basically scaling them up they were doing like 30-40k a month and I scaled them up to like over 200k a month in the first 30 days so basically I was able to really change the trajectory of their business and it was easy because i could see how to scale they couldn't see how to scale and I was, I was able to just increase the ad spend basically and is this so is this before or after you ended up
0: uh or for the listeners who go no you ended up selling the drop shipping company um
1: yeah that, that's a bit later
0: that oh that was later. so you did the agencies yeah. First to get some more cash uh, in your pocket because you were sort of desperate at the time and then, okay, gotcha, gotcha. So you started with these agencies to, to just keep yourself afloat. Yeah,
1: gotcha. So uh, we went from that one client to then stacking up like five more clients. So I went from, over well, the span of like four months, yeah, four to five months, you're able to basically make 10k a month with this agency. So I was able to pay down all the credit cards uh, which were the higher interest rate um, loans that I had at the time. And I was able to get enough cash flow to then be comfortable with spending money on ads again. So I didn't pay off all the debt, I was strategic, it. I was like, okay, I'm not going to just throw my cash into the debt and then I have to keep doing the agency. I was like, I was still dead set on running an e-commerce business. Because so all my friends were doing it, they were all like doing crazy numbers at the time, 20, 30k a day. And I'm feeling like, you know, we started kind of around the same time and I'm kind of you know, the one that's lagging behind because of this big mistake that I made. So I was like, okay, we're gonna save enough cash flow to launch a new e-commerce business. I still retain my clients, but I was like, okay, there's too much time and effort that's going into managing these accounts where it's not really uh, worth our while to continue doing it. So I basically kept running the ads until the point where I had a product that was working. And then we went through the handover process of like, okay, we can no longer run the ads for you. I didn't, I didn't want to put my focus across too many things. I just decided to basically tell the clients like, we're gonna to have to fire you. We fired the clients, basically. Um, but obviously in a a way that didn't harm them. We we gave them ample notice time. There's a handover. Shared the process of how I did everything with them, and then nowadays that specific brand that we started off with, the first client. They're a huge brand. They have like 200,000 followers on Instagram. Mm -hmm. They got partnerships with all all these other massive brands that are doing like hundreds hundreds of millions of dollars a year. So it was cool to be a part of that process while also being in this like insane moment for myself and to see how how that brand has matured over time. But yeah, so what happened was we basically took took the funds, we started testing new products. This time around it was bomber jackets and Sure enough, I found another winner, started going, taking off. Uh, we created a whole brand around it and scaled that up over the course of two years. That also came with challenges. Basically, uh, we got banned on Facebook at one point. I had to pivot, launch Google Ads. My revenue basically went to nothing. Well, hold on a second. You said yeah. you
0: got banned on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. What? Uh, what was it, something that was uh,
1: offensive on the
0: jacket or something like that? Like what, what was No, it? no.
1: So during this time period, Facebook started cracking down a lot on dropshipping. And just a giant ban wave happened. Like mm-hmm. Literally everyone got banned. Like a lot of people I know got banned. All the friends I told you about, they got banned as well. A lot of people in the Facebook groups are blowing up the Facebook groups, got banned. Ad account kind of disabled, how do I fix this? Sometimes there's no reason. Sometimes it's just Facebook has an algorithm that kind of just bans you if it, if it sees like certain patterns with your ad account, if it just suspects something, I guess. So it has all these filters built in and it will just ban you for any given reason. And the support is so bad that you couldn't talk to a human, so you're getting auto-rejected on your appeals as well. Uh, unless you were like an agency, you'd have access to like customer support, you could chat with an actual human one but not everyone had this ability, and I didn't. I certainly didn't. So, yeah, that that kind of really was another inflection point where it's okay, I'm about to to fail again. And I had this this big staff, of like five, 10 people at the time. And what happened was I'm just incurring all this cost, no revenues coming in. I'm emailing previous customers to try and get them to buy more. That went okay, got some revenue in, but not enough to sustain the business and the cost, the unit economics. So I had to pivot to Google Ads. So I launched Google Ads. Um, it took at least a few months to really become profitable and really optimize. I think like two to three months. Um, this was back in like 2019. Or no, it was early 2020, early 2020. No, yeah, early 2020, the Google Ads started taking off is becoming profitable and the business is back to its former glory. Uh, obviously, there were several times in between where I was like, okay, we're going to shut this down, um, but decided to stay the course uh, and started expanding my team because we had more consistency with revenue and profits coming in and I started to scale out more stores. At that one point, I had like 10 stores running at the same time uh, across multiple different ad accounts. Uh, and I found different workarounds to get back on Facebook and start running ads again. To to be clear, like today, I'm on that ad Facebook ads. So mm-hmm. I'm back, able to run ads, but no longer within e-commerce.
0: Yeah, and okay. So you talk. So this led up to eventually that another company decided to buy to buy you guys. So you talk about that moment for you when you finally secured the deal and uh, what it what it kind of felt like to finally get this kind of baby of yours and give it away and and, uh finally kind of get get a reward for all your hard work.
1: Yeah, yeah for sure. So I guess like what happened afterwards, I I kept running this business up until like earlier in twenty twenty two. So up until I think March or no, it was around like May twenty twenty two. Um decided to exit the business mostly because I actually ended up in another number crunch again. Uh, this time it was kind of, is laziness on my part. I kind of bestowed the ability for someone on my team to track the numbers instead of taking ownership over it myself, which looking back, it was a simple thing that I could have done. And again, it put me deep into debt again, um, this specific issue. So yeah, I was actually, I found myself in 50K in debt. So yeah, $50,000 American, in mid 2021 so i also again had to pick up a client on the side help them manage their client accounts and there were successful there were successful events in, in that in the sense that i was helping them basically scale scale their client accounts while also running my e-commerce business on the side so i was juggling a lot of things at the time. and i had to be really be strategic with my time i had to be strategic with my capital my resources when to pay off this person i was like on a contract with my supplier to we had terms basically where they give me a threshold a billing threshold period to pay them off for a full invoice so i had to basically negotiate with them to set up a payment plan because i couldn't pay off the, the invoice that we owe them so it kind of damaged the relationship a bit, but we were able i was maybe basically telling them like i'm not gonna abandon you guys i'm not gonna you know just let, let you guys put the bill, I'm gonna work, we're gonna wait until Q4, because typically this business did well in Q4, the rest of the year we would to be making money. Um, so I, I worked with them, created this payment plan, and we had this agreement that we're waiting for Q4, this was like the the magic moment. And if it didn't work, then <laughs> I wouldn't be here today, I'd be probably working on another business, grinding. grinding and. Uh, yeah, basically Q4 came around and sure enough, I had built up a team, I built up a media buyer that was smarter than me and way better at managing the ads. He scaled it up, we made 50K in profit, exactly. Like just over 50K in profit. I think it was like 52K or something. And with that amount, I was able to then pay off all the debt splatter, all the debt on credit cards I had. And then I used the P&L of the, of the business because it was overall profitable. Uh, because of all the profits we made in Q4, I decided, okay, there's several risks at hand here. There's gonna be an economic meltdown, the market might crash, Uh, this business is seasonal, I'm gonna be losing money for most of the year, so I was like, okay, the best thing I could do strategically right now, I didn't see any future with this brand, it was kind of like, the products were more impulse-based, so I couldn't really build something around it. Um, I, I just was losing, Losing magic with the business model, I didn't really want to run this kind of business anymore. So, yeah, I took the steps to start looking at acquiring companies. And after getting rejected like probably seventy nine times, I stumbled across a company that was basically willing to acquire us. And they were like an aggregator, we call an aggregator. So they acquire a bunch of brands, they turn them around, and they basically flip them to private equity firms for like a higher multiple. Um, got a decent multiple on the valuation, so I was okay. No one else is willing to buy this. It's like I think February, and I was I was, I was forecasting the market's gonna crash like crazy like in the next coming months. And sure enough, within a- when April came around, it did crash. So after we already signed the the LOI, so the letter of intent to purchase a company, um, we signed all the contracts, the market basically tanked, um, and. I exited the business shortly thereafter, around May June. So. Nice.
0: Well, congrats <laughs> on exiting at the right time and yeah. uh, getting, you know, getting that, that reward for your hard work. And I uh, just want to talk a little bit about the uh, kind of sacrifices you made while you were doing this. So you talk about entrepreneurship and having it being this really great thing, but there are also like some really dark moments with that and. Uh, although you've been a no, like digital nomad for five years, uh, it seems like with some of these businesses all you can do is focus on that job and you're basically eating, sleeping, working out or working and so, um, you know, it, from what I understand, it was a huge, huge sacrifice about your personal life to be able to do this. So, for someone else who's kind of thinking about getting started in entrepreneurship, like what would you recommend to them? And are you going to tell them that, Hey, you got, you got to get ready to have zero life and just work all the time. Or what would you recommend? Like, if you could go back and do it
1: again, uh, what would you do differently? Yeah. So, yeah, it's interesting. Cause I've been pondering on that myself. It's kind of the reason why I'm here in Nicaragua uh, is to kind of perform this stress cadency on my body because for most of these five years, like you said, I would just be waking up and I'm worried about money. Okay, I'm going to the gym to just calm my nerves down, first of all, and then, then I'm getting back and I'm jumping immediately into work, like opening up the ads manager and you know, strategizing and thinking how can I improve this, how can I, how can we make more money, how, how far off are we from making money? And for the most part, I could have really, if, if I knew my numbers, I could have been More well off, well in advance, but I was really this. I was just lacking the skill for far too long, and I really had no idea what I was doing to be honest. But so, so I think like if if you're an entrepreneur just starting out, then you're gonna have to be prepared to work really hard, like those you know seven eight hour days, sometimes ten hour days. I'm not really subscribed to the hustle culture, but when you're first getting started, you have to learn so much. You have to learn about all these different processes. That once you get to a point where you can optimize and you basically figured out all these different mental models, you stack them on top of each other, you know what to look for. You know what task you need to tackle as a CEO in your current phase of growth. So starting off, you definitely have to work a lot if you don't have a mentor or you don't have the knowledge of how to do things. But once you figure out the process, once you figure out what are the high leverage activities, you can trim that down to three to four hours a day. And those are that's like your focus time I think they've done like studies like you're really only focused for like three or four hours a the day, the rest of the day you might be really not in the best you know, frame of mind to get, get these high levels activities done.
0: Right right so we talked about having that short uh, that short day where you get things right then you're maybe only working three or four hours a day um let's bring that back to traveling so we talked so much about business but we haven't really talked about all these places you went to. So it seems like your business was so demanding that really you weren't able to enjoy a lot of the places you went to because it was, you know, you were just going through the routine. Yeah. Um, What were the, what, just so our listeners know, what are all the countries that you've been to? Because you've been digital nomad for five years. So what countries have you been to and then what led you to eventually come here to Nicaragua, and uh, believe before that was Costa Rica. Um, what led you to come here, and what's kind of your uh, aspirations for, for the you know, the rest of the day when you're not working?
1: Yeah, so so yeah, the, the first two years of traveling, I, was, I wasn't was really traveling, let's put this way, I was more of an expat. I was staying put in like one neighborhood for most of the time that I was there. Um, the first place was Chiang Mai, I was there for one year. Then I went to Bangkok, upgraded when we started doing well with the agency uh, for one year. And then from then I went to Bali um, and I stayed there for two years. So yeah, like in between I did a lot of visa runs because you have to obviously extend your visa, you can't just overstay, it, otherwise you incur incur penalty. So I would go to Laos, I would go to Myanmar, um, I would go to Kuala Lumpur and Singapore. So those were kind of the only places I visited for the first like two, three years. Mm. Also, with a bunch of my friends, we went to Komodo for a trip. So after, you know, we, all, we were all in it together. So we were all struggling. We were all kind of grinding, hustling every, every single day, not really focused on lifestyle optimization or anything like that. We were just working. So we decided, okay, we're going to carve out a weekend to go on a, a weekend trip, weekend adventure. We went to Komodo Island, we went scuba diving, you know, we went on a boat trip, we saw Komodo dragons on the island, so, that was one big trip, but for the most part, I was staying put. I was I was just getting from point A to point B, really conscious of my budget, really conscious of how much money I was spending, because, yeah, I was in this state of like scarcity, but also being diligent as well. Not, not wanting to run out of cash again, not wanting to, yeah, Regress instead of like move forward and really give myself leverage. Because when you have more capital, you have more leverage, and if you use it wisely, then you can basically increase your earnings potential without taking on outside funding or without utilizing debt. So that was kind of the mindset I was in until recently. Um, had the exit, got this big influx of cash uh, that I've never had before in my life. So I was like, okay, I gotta. Take the foot off the gas a bit, while still obviously working, still obviously keeping that big vision for the future, but also recognizing that you know we're put on here to enjoy life, and it's not all about work. It's not all about you know just grinding and hustling. Because if you become like a, a super big billionaire or multi-millionaire in the hundreds of millions, when you're you know 35, 40, that's nice. You're still young, but like. You've kind of lost a lot of time. if All you've been doing is working the whole time. So, what I'm kind of focused on now is being a bit smarter with my time. Still having big ambitions, big goals. Also, sticking time to go like surfing, go, you know, go on these day trips with cool people and kind of enjoy it while I'm young and experience a lot of things while you're young. Still, so, because I'm still like just 26 years old. So. Yeah. Very young.
0: Well, that's amazing, man. That you're 26, but you have. Pretty much a lifetime full of experiences and starting one company uh having it go sour but bringing it back up and just working to that and kind of learning learning to enjoy life and all it has to offer uh, instead of just focusing on focusing focusing just on the hustle um uh, to find that balance is is great um and then last but not least so you decided to come to Central America of all places you did Southeast Asia um, You kind of been there done that but you decided Central America, so what led you to come here and How long have you been here and What is your plan going forward?
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah, I'll get that there's kind of missing Not nothing but there's missing pieces in the whole story Um. Back in 2021, I was in Bali, up until I realized how much debt I was in. Then I decided to go back to Canada, actually, um, and kind of basically cut a lot of my expenses. I actually went back into my grandparents' basement for like one year straight, just grinding while I worked with this client, while I um, got rid of that debt, 50K in debt. And then once I basically sold the business, I decided to start traveling once more. So I'm back for like almost a year, uh, well a year exactly. And then in June of this year, 2022, I decided to go to New York for an NYC, uh, went to Poland for three months and then went to Serbia for like a month as well, or three weeks. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to go down this new venture of starting a software business. And that's going to require me to hop on a lot of calls for people. So I don't want to be in Asia. I don't want to be in Europe. Well, my, my visa ran in Europe. It's so like, where can I go that is like kind of cost-effective, the weather's good. Um, it was coming out on fall winter, so I was like, where's the weather good, decent prices for accommodation and food, and there's cool activities. So that's kind of what brought me to Central America. I, I went to a, a software conference in Ireland, and then just decided, okay, I can get the US North American office hours in Central America, but for a, like, a cheaper price, um, in Europe. So I was like, okay, that's, that's kind of the
0: criteria that I was at. just fit the bullet. Awesome, man. So you're in a beautiful place. There's surfing, there's cool people. And almost most importantly, you're in North American time zone. So it's easy to do business as far as, Hey, you've got Wi-Fi, and there you go. So yeah. it seems like you're in a great spot. Um, wanted to give you the floor. If
1: you have any plugs, if you have any last things you want, Want listeners to know. Yeah, I would say like if you're if you're planning to go down this journey of you know being a digital digital nomad or you know, digital entrepreneur, just just know that you gotta you gotta really spend time on like yourself as well. You can't just focus on working the whole time, otherwise you're definitely gonna burn out. Um, definitely scheduling time for fun activities like we're talking about. We're gonna go surfing. We're gonna go on day trips to different beaches. So. It's, it's all about a balance. Um, but yeah, it's also gonna be a, a lot of hard work. Uh, you're gonna have to sacrifice a lot of things, but you know, everyone's different. Everyone has different mental models. For some of you, it won't be as hard. For others, it will be difficult. If there's an easy way to take it, but if there's only one route, which is the hard way, then you gotta you know, bite the bullet and go down that route, no matter how difficult it's gonna be. Awesome, man. Well.
0: Uh... It's been a pleasure having you uh, this has been the harnessing tail podcast and uh, hey he said it best work hard but don't forget to take care of yourself have a good time uh, experience life while you're able to and uh yeah thanks so much mac for for being here and don't forget to subscribe and to to like this by whatever you're listening to spotify apple podcasts And uh, stay tuned for the next episode, guys.